What a challenge to trust God to carry us out into deeper waters. Amen? Where there's no possible way that we can stand on our own. What a tremendous challenge tonight. I don't know about you, but I like to be sure-footed. I like to know that what I'm doing has some solidity up under it. I like to know that I am standing upon the rock. But sometimes the rock seems like it's getting shifted and it's hard to understand what God is doing. But I do know that God's always there walking with us. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And I want to begin reading in verse 6. Before I read, I want you to pray for those that are sick tonight. Pray for those that are out. Somebody asked me where his brother David is. They had a surprise birthday party for him, Katie, that, every, that he already knew about. He told me this morning, he said, my family's throwing me a surprise birthday party tonight, and I guess I need to be there. I said, okay. So you pray for brother David and them that God would help them. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse number 6. You read along with me tonight. The Bible said, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that you need not to speak, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight, and I pray you'd give me liberty to preach, and I pray you'd help me to teach also. And God, I pray that you would anoint me with your spirit and touch me, God, tonight, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be magnified and exalted. Thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight on this thought, a church worthy of imitating. A church worthy of imitating. I thought yesterday, as I made mention this morning, we sat in that church yesterday and sat in it Friday night, and how much of an amazing and exciting time we had there. But I do realize something, that there's no way that we could imitate that church. Number one, they've got 5,800 people that show up on Sunday morning. So if 5,800 people show up on Sunday morning, certainly there's a couple of people who have some things going on in their life that they can put into play into a church that size. Amen? Everybody thinks they need to grow. Everybody thinks that they've arrived until you get to a place like that and you realize that I've never been in a place like that. Of all the churches in Troop County, when you compare it to that church, they're all small churches. Amen? Every one of them's a little bitty church. But as we sat there, I thought there's no way that we could ever take anything away from this church because we simply don't have the people in it to imitate this church. You just don't have it. But there are some ways to imitate and to follow and to be a part of something without, not, without necessarily incorporating every single thing into play. Tonight, I want us to look at a church worth imitating we're often told in this life that we should be ourselves and not try to be like others this is a very true statement 
But what if, some, what if something is worth imitating? What if something is worth imitating? What if there's something out there that is a, or a person out there who's such a great person that we should imitate them? Don't you have thoughts when you meet somebody and you think, Lord, I, I would love to really be like those people. I would love to be like that guy. You ladies, you meet a woman, don't sometimes you get the idea, Lord, I, I'd just love for you to make me like them. Sometimes they have a, a great spirit about them. They're an encouraging type person. They're a positive attitude type person. They're the type of person that seems to always bring life to the table. They, they never seem to be downtrodden and discouraged. They have a mentality and a personality that's just absolutely bigger than life. You ever been around people like that? And you look around and you think, man, I'd love to be like that. I would love to be that person. But that's not what God has asked us to do. God has asked us to be ourselves, but at the same time, He's asked us to imitate certain things. See, tonight, we can't be what somebody else is. We can't be just like them. And even though they are successful and they're joyful to be around sometimes, we can't be them. Now, I'm not talking about being hypocritical or putting on an act, but really and truly asking God to help us to be like somebody that you know God is pleased with. I've been around certain preachers that I'll be honest, I, I wish I could be like them. I've been in the presence of some men of God that I thought, Lord, if I could be like them, I could really be somebody. Until I realized that God made me somebody. Amen? But there are certain attributes of them that we can imitate. We, there are certain things that we can be. See, this is exactly what the church of Thessalonica did. They imitated Paul and the Lord. Notice the word followers with me. Notice where it says, and you became followers of us. This word followers, it simply means to imitate. If, and I'm not changing the word of God, but if it said, and you became imitators of us, it would say the same exact thing. You became followers. What that meant was, as we walked, you didn't walk in a different path. You didn't walk in a different way. But you actually put your footsteps in our footsteps, is what Paul said. You ever noticed a little kid? I used to watch Dylan and Dakota. I would walk along and I would just kind of look back. Brother Jim, I'm sure you remember watching Donald. And you'd be walking in the dirt or walking in the sand. And I remember watching Dylan especially. Dakota didn't really care. He just kind of was his own person, you know. But Dylan, he would try to step in your footsteps. The only problem was they was a lot bigger than what his leg span was. So I would watch him. He would be like, and sometimes that gets to be the practice. We're trying to imitate something that's so far out of reach that there's no way we can do it. But I can tell you this, there are certain things and certain people and certain places that we can become a follower of and can become an imitator of if God would help us and create in us the spirit to be more like Him. Now notice He said here, and you became followers or imitators of us and of the Lord. Now, you understand that we all are imitating somebody in some sort of way. You realize that we're all imitating somebody in some sort of way. Some of you have been with each other in marriage so long, you're acting like one another so much so that you've forgotten who's imitating who. You know I'm right. You've forgotten who was the one that led you into acting like you're acting. Amen? You don't know if you act like you act or you act like you act because you act like they act. You just act. You don't even know what's going on in life. 
You've become an imitator of those who are around you. I remember being a kid. I'd look at my daddy. I'd say, I'm never going to be like you. I got a lot of things like him. Be careful, Rusty. I know we look at our parents and we say, I don't want to be like them. But I'm telling you, Bailey's going to be just like you. Amen? We imitate people because we love them and because sometimes we're just around them so much, we draw in some of their attributes and things about them. Now, Paul writes to this church to commend them for their following or imitation of himself and the Lord. And since they followed or imitated the Lord Paul uh, and Paul so closely, I think we can learn from them. So I want to give you just a few things tonight that I think would help us as a church and help you as a person or a Christian to learn how to imitate or learn how to follow those that are walking in the right footsteps. Amen? You don't want to imitate somebody that's walking the wrong way, do you? You don't want to imitate those who are not spiritually correct. You want to imitate those who are walking with the Lord. And this church here is a church worthy of imitating. I want you to see, first of all, that they're worthy of imitating because of the culture of the church. Now, this past weekend, we heard a lot about culture. We heard a lot about the culture of the church that we went, went to, and I really enjoyed every single minute of it. But this church at Thessalonica had a culture of its own. It had the first culture. Most theologians think that this was the first letter that Paul had ever written. They think that this is the first letter that Paul had ever written to a church. And it being so, he's going to set a precedence over every other thing that's going on in every church to explain to us some things that ought to be going on in our church. And there ought to be a culture that we have in our church that imitates the culture of the church of Thessalonica. I believe if we want to be Bible believers, I don't believe we ought to imitate another church unless it comes out of the Bible. Amen? I think we ought to want to imitate what comes out of the Bible. And here, this church at Thessalonica, it had a culture of its own. No other church is mentioned that has all three of these great things going on, uh, going, going for it as this church does. Number one, this church was steadfast. It was steadfast. Watch here what he says. He says in verse number three, he said, remembering without ceasing. He said, there's some things going on here. He said, I'm remembering, I'm praying for you without ceasing. He said, but there is something going on there at your church that is steadfast. And he said, I know that you're not ceasing in doing them as well. And he says here that this church is steadfast. He said, it's a steadfast church. It's unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because watch what he says. He said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Three things that we see in this church. Number one, they had a work of faith. They believed and trusted God. They believed and trusted God. Now, how many of you tonight really believe and trust God? But sometimes our faith can go way down. But need I remind you tonight, it doesn't take a lot of faith for God to move. It just takes faith. God didn't say if you'd come with the faith of a dump truck, you could move mountains. He said if you'd come with the faith as a grain of a what? Mustard seed. You know how little that seed is? It's like the size of an ink pen. It's very small. And he says if you'll come with the faith as a grain of mustard seed, he said you'll be able to move mountains and accomplish things in your life. And this church had the work of faith. They worked, but they had 
faith. You know what this work of faith actually means? It means they put feet to their faith. It means they believed God could do anything, but with God doing anything, they was going to go out and do everything they could do. Amen? They worked for God. They had a work of faith. They believed and trusted God. But they also had a labor of love. He said you had a work of faith and a labor of love. They cared for one another. They absolutely cared for one another. This verse just kept coming up all weekend. John 13 and 35 says this. Well, 34 said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men shall know, or shall all men know, that you are my disciples if you love one another. I remember when we were building the Living Waters Baptist Church. I remember the contractor being out there. As he was standing out there, he hadn't been to church in a long time. He'd come from a big church in LaGrange. And me and the pastor were standing there, and we were talking to him and said, I'd love for you to come to church. He said, why would I come to church? He said, I'm a Christian, but I see no need in coming to church. And I said, how do you get that? And my pastor jumped in and said, that's not Christian at all. He said, I agree with you. And he said, I agree, I need to be in church. He said, but how shall a man say he loved God and he loved not his own brother? He said, do you realize that I've been hurt and had my uh, heart cut out in church? I said, we all have. My pastor jumped in and said, we all have. He said, if we all supposed to love one another, why do we do that? And my pastor put him in his place. He said, in your family, do y'all have problems? He said, we sure do. He said, does it mean that you hate one another? He said, it certainly don't. He said, I understand where you're coming from. But he said, at the same time, we're all going to have problems. He said, you know why we have problems? Because there's people. He said, where there's people, there's problems. But when there's problems, we ought to love one another and care for one another enough to overcome the problems instead of to dwell on them and separate because of the issues of life. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got problems. But we ought to care for one another. Now, I, I met with some people this afternoon in the other building. Most of you I met with. But I told them this evening, I said, if we're going to be a church and we're going to care for one another, we've got to show one another that we care. And if we're going to have a labor of love, you realize that you may not get rewarded back. I listen to Brother Aaron preach. Brother Aaron McCullough preach sometimes on the radio or on his, on his website. And one of the things he mentions on the radio broadcast is he says this. He said, I want you to know that this is a labor of love. He said, we don't receive any money for what we do. We actually just put this gospel out here to reach people. said, if you'll donate to it, we'll use it directly for the ministry. We don't make any money off this. It's a labor of love. You know what a labor of love is? It means that you're working for God because you love people knowing that you're not going to get anything in this life for return. But most people today are wondering what they're going to get in return. And if I can't see a return on my investment, then I'm not going to do anything. That's not love at all. Love says I'm willing to do whatever it takes to go out and work for God and to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of the ministry, to be a part of the local church and do what God has told me to do. And I'm going to do it simply because I love people and I love God. A labor of love. This church loved one another. You want me to tell you how I know that you can, or let me tell you how to let people know that you love them? Do something for them. 
That's simple, isn't it? Just do something for them. Text them, call them, send them a card. I told them in the, in the class today, I said, what we need to do is we need to start sending cards out. Katie and my wife are going to team together and become a team and start sending out cards to people. And can I tell you, you see all these people on Facebook. Facebook is not the most evil thing in the world, trust me. What you do with it may be evil, but it's not evil. YouTube's more evil with your momo. Y'all scared me looking at me like that. Some of y'all look like momo, amen? Listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you. People on there all the time are saying, pray for me. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. Get their, get their name. Try your best to get their address. Bring them to Katie. Bring them to me. Bring them to my wife. And bring them to us that we might be able to write them a card to say, hey, look, I don't know you're going through something. We've seen it posted on Facebook. I want you to know that Hillcrest Baptist Church is praying for you right now. And you're invited to one of our services. You know what that shows them? That you care for them. You know what it would show if you would tell people that are visiting our church? You know how it would show that you really care for them? Send them a thank you card for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for being a part of us. If you want to you uh, come in with us, hey, we'd love to have you. But thank you for coming by. They had a labor of love. But not only did they have a work of faith and a labor of love, they had a patience of hope. Notice what it says here. He said that they had a work of faith, a labor of love, and a patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They waited patiently on the hope of the Lord's return. They waited patiently. What a place to imitate. What a culture. Wouldn't you want to be a part of a culture where it seems like everybody just loves one another? Wouldn't you want to be a, a part of a place where it doesn't seem like you're just a number, but it seems like that people really care about you? How many of you have ever worked for big corporations? You're just a number to them. They can get you out of there and get somebody back in there in your place in the blink of an eye. Don't think that you can lay out eight weeks because you're hurt and take your job back. They got ten people waiting to take that job while you're out. Amen? They don't care. A church ought not be that way. A church ought not be that way. It doesn't matter what size they get. It doesn't matter that they grow to 5,800 people. If you have somebody missing, somebody ought to let them know that we miss you. Because they're wanted. We're concerned with them. These people had a patience of hope. You know what their hope was in? The return of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ was going to come back. What a culture. Not only because of the culture of the church, that it's a church worth imitating, but because of the commission of the church. Look what it says here. The Bible said in verse 6, he said, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much, with much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. They had become examples to other churches. They had become the church to look at. They had become the place where when preachers talked, they'd say, now I want to tell you something. The church down at Thessalonica, they have incorporated some things in their services that is a tremendous blessing to the other churches. And you can benefit from these churches because from this church because they have become an example to all of the other churches. So much so 
that watch how powerful their testimony was. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that you need not that we need not to speak anything. You know what Paul is telling them? Paul said, Y'all are such an example, and you're so much a part of the Great Commission that you've reached all your surroundings. You know how far they reached out? The Bible said here that they, uh, they were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. They reached Achaia. You know how far Achaia was from Thessalonica? Take a guess. 315 miles. You say, what's the big deal? Well, let's see. They didn't have a bus. They didn't have a car. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have a telephone. They reached out to them. That would be like us in Troop County having this little church here and becoming such an influence and becoming such an inspiration that 315 miles away, where would that be? Charlotte. In Charlotte, North Carolina, we get a phone call and say, hey, we want y'all to know that y'all are such a blessing to us. you get my drift how would it feel if somebody picked the phone up and called one of you and said you know what I just watched a live Facebook video or I watched a YouTube video where y'all were singing or that preacher was preaching or brother Jim was teaching or brother Ray was teaching Sunday school and man what an example y'all have set forward for us and I want you to know because of what y'all did there's people in my family that just got one to Jesus Christ that's exactly what took place in the places of Achaia, in the place of Macedonia. They were such an influence to them that their people began to receive Jesus Christ so much so that Paul said, we don't even have to go there to evangelize. He said, you've met them all. That's amazing. You know what the church's problem is today? Somebody else will get them. Somebody else will help them. There's a bigger church down the road. I don't want to put it off on the bigger church. I want to be the church that says we're willing to help. We're willing to go. We're willing to do whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had the great commission. We need to imitate them in the great commission of this church. This ought to convict us and to convert our way of thinking. How many of y'all have read David's Platt, David Platt's book on uh, radical Christianity? Was it radical, Brother Ray? It's a little bit extreme, I will say that. But I will tell you this. He takes you to a place where you get so much conviction about winning people to Christ, you forget. You forget. All of the things in life that really don't matter anyway. Because what's most important is this life, in this life is not what you become, not the career, not the building of mega churches, not the building of lives, but the saving of souls. Saving of souls. The Great Commission is to go out and win those to Jesus Christ. Now, if I think if they could reach 350, people 315 miles away 
I think we could reach the people of Troop County and Heard County, don't you? I think we could do that. I think we could reach them, but we're going to have to get a little radical. We're going to have to be a little different. We're going to have to go a little bit extreme. You know what it is to be radical and extreme? Just invite somebody to church. That's how radical and extreme it is today because most people are not inviting people to church. So if you'd invite somebody to church, you could be a radical Christian. Amen? Could you see Brother Jim being a radical Christian? We'll get him a shirt that says, I'm a Jesus freak. Be wonderful. Amen? So this church, they had a commission that they went about. I think we ought to imitate their commission but not only imitate the commission of the church and the uh, culture of the church, but I think we ought to imitate the Christ of the church. Watch what it says here. And Well, I'm not going to read all this, but in verses 2 all the way down to verses 10, you'll find that Jesus Christ is mentioned about this church as being a part of this church or the church doing something for Jesus Christ over three times, three or more times in just 10 verses. That tells me something about this church. This church loved Jesus. They really loved Jesus. They wasn't in love with church, so to speak, as much as they were Jesus Christ. Because this is what I've learned. If you fall in love with the church before you fall in love with Jesus, you'll fall out of love with the church and walk away from Jesus. But if you'll fall in love with Jesus first, Jesus will put the love of the church in your heart, and that love will be steadfast, unmovable, where you're always abounding in the work of the Lord, and you're always going about seeking to please God because it's not about pleasing the pastor. It's not about pleasing the church. It's not about pleasing the leaders. It's not even about pleasing your family, your wife, your husband. It's about pleasing Jesus Christ. And when you get ready to the point that you're willing to do anything to please Christ, that's when I know that a church has become Christ-centered, that everything the church does revolves and circles around Jesus Christ, and that's where it's got to be in order for it to go forward. You can implement every program. You can change the music department. You can become the greatest caregiver in all the, the, uh, in all the world. But unless you put Jesus Christ center and forth, most I can tell you this tonight if you bring them all in they've absolutely got no hope because you've got nothing to give them you got to give them Jesus Christ he's the only help at all for people today you realize as Jesse comes tonight you realize that today in most churches the most important thing is left out. The most important thing. And that's Jesus. He's the most important thing. They're teaching and preaching things. That can help you to be successful in life. Brother Dan they teach you how to be wealthy. They teach you how to be healthy. They teach you how to be rich. They teach you how to be wise. But they don't teach you that you're a sinner. In need of a personal Savior. In need of Jesus Christ to cover all of your sin, to wash your sin away. You know what this church went about doing? 
Give me verse 9 and 10, Codem. This church went about doing something. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. Watch this now. Which delivered us from the wrath to come. This church went about telling people the truth. Just as Paul did. Just as Jesus Christ did. He went about telling them that there is a hell to shun. And a heaven to gain. They went about telling them that God is going to send his wrath one day. And that when he pours out his wrath. You're not covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That hell is going to be your home for all eternity. There won't be an explanation day. There won't be a second chance day. There won't be a time where you stand up before God and you say, but God, I was able to give and I showed up for church three times a week. And God, I want you to know that I sat down and read your word three times a week. I've done all these things. God's going to say, that never mattered to me because you didn't believe me as your Savior. Jesus said in that day, they'll say unto me, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in thy name? Didn't I do many wonderful, miraculous works? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. You know what this church did? They went about telling people about Jesus Christ. You know why? Because there's a wrath to come. There's a time, you mark this down, that you're going to take your last breath. And when you take your last breath, it's going to be eternally too late if you leave this world without Jesus Christ. Tonight, Hillcrest Baptist Church wants to stand in the way people going to hell that pastor said over there something brother Jim that blew my mind never heard it before brother Ray he said at Rock Springs Church we want to make it the most difficult place in all the world to go to hell from that hit me because that's what I want I want this to be the most difficult place for people to go to hell from. Because they don't have to, Rusty. They don't have to. When Jesus Christ has offered everything to give you eternal life, trust me, I know. As they sing tonight, I'd love for you to stand. I'd love for you to come. <laughs>